Christmas. I love this season. I love the food. I know it's hard by looking at me, but I love the food of this season. And somebody brought me a plate full of something. And Kevin, my security guy, they, that's what he's really there for is guarding the food. I love the smells at Christmas. I love the, the fresh Christmas. Any, any fresh Christmas tree people, all those I love that smell. I love the smell. We can't do that because of allergies, and one, and, but, but we buy the candles that smell like it, and I love it. I love the decor, but I hate decorating. You know what I mean? Like I hate dragging it all out of the, of the garage and untangling all the lights and all that, but I love it. I, I don't like there's one. There is one thing that's happened recently. That I feel like is a demonic attack. I'm just going to be honest with you. We have these little devils uh, in our house, the elves on the shelf. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Any, any mom and dad on this elf business right there? I, I think they're agents from hell. And every night we have to confer with these little devils about what it is they're going to do creatively that my, that my the, the, the next morning. So in our home, elves are the one who bring all the gifts and they and, you know and they and they they decorate the whole house. So literally, we've had to decorate at night with these devils. Uh, while my kids are sleeping, so I love the decor. Hate the decorating, hey, I, but there's something I love. I love Christmas music. I, I love. I start listening to it early. Halloween. I love it. I just love. And so I, I thought for the, a couple of weeks, let's look into some carols and think, man, do I really know what I'm singing about, and is there a message there for me? And hopefully, you'll find that today. I, I uh, my wife and I, we've been married almost 20 years, and in the car she likes to sing. Anybody married to somebody who sings really loud in the car? Where you at on that? And they may cannot sing. Anybody? My wife can sing, but it's my favorite thing to do. I don't. One of my favorite things while we're riding together is when she's singing super loud. And she sings great. But, but right at the, the loudest part of the song or the highest part of the song, I like to just jerk the volume down like all the way and just let it be her and see if she knows the words. And most of the time it's not. And it's, it's super fun for me until, until later on that evening and then it's, it's not as fun as it was when I did it. But I love, I, lo- I sing the wrong words. <laughs> she does it to me now because I sing the wrong words all the time. I don't know the words to most of the stuff. I just, I just sort of I make it up as we go along. And for years I sang the wrong words to Christmas carols. One, one of the one I, I messed up all the time. Anybody know Winter Wonderland? You know that song? Walking in when stables ring. Come on, sing. In the sing. Y'all don't know me either. For years, I'd get to the part and I, and, and, and I, I would sing this wrong. I would sing later on. We'll perspire as we sit by the fire. It made more sense to me. And, and one day I'm singing this so loud. Brandy, she said, are you, what, Demi, what are you, like, what, what are you singing? I said, I'm singing the song, obviously. And uh, later on, we'll perspire as we sit by the fire. She said, it's not the words of the song. Words of the song, and later on, we'll conspire. I was like. That makes no sense whatsoever. It makes more sense to perspire. They're sitting around the fire, you know, like everybody's sweating. That It makes a whole lot more sense to sing it the way I sing it. Or maybe we all die at the end. I don't know, but we perspire. It makes more sense to me than conspire. And I say it wrong for so long. It always kills me when we do that. We don't, we don't really know what we're singing. We're just singing out loud. Or I love going to stores this season that the, the clerks in the retail stores can't say Merry Christmas. You know what I'm talking about? It's one of my favorite things to do is when I'm checking out and they say Happy Holidays and I go Merry Christmas and see what, and see what they say back. But what's funny is they're playing Christian Christmas music over the speakers, but they can't say Merry Christmas. You know what I mean? 
Like what kind of crazy world is this? It's my favorite thing. So I'll stay there until they say Merry Christmas or get fired. I like, I like, I just love, I love this season. I love everything about it. And I love Christmas carols. And so uh, last week we looked at one of them uh, 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 about what the angels said to the shepherds. And why would you shepherds and hark the herald angels sing? This week I want to I wanna dive into a carol that I love and, and maybe give you a different perspective. It's, Oh, come all you faithful. You like that carol? Anybody else? like that carol. I love that. It really is a beautiful song. It was written in Latin originally. Interesting fact. I took four years of Latin in high school. I don't really know why except I hated math. And so once I got out of whatever was required, I would just keep taking Latin. So I took four years of Latin. And it's not a spoken language. It's only a written language. So me and the Pope are about the only people with that much knowledge about Latin. But for whatever reason, this was the song we would sing in Latin. And and it was written as Adeste Fidelis. That was the Latin version. And it was that way for for almost 100 years. And John Wade sort of wrote it in Latin that way. And then about 1840, 41, something along there, a Catholic priest named Frederick Oakley rewrote it into English. And it became what you and I sing today, O Come All Ye. Faithful, and it goes like this, O come all ye faithful, joyful, and triumphant. O come ye, O come ye to, that's my favorite part, Bethlehem. And if you're a bit like me, when I sing that song, I think to myself, man, that, that first line is pretty daunting, i got to be honest with you. That the people that can come to Bethlehem to see Jesus, listen to what we're singing now, it's if you're faithful and you're joyful and you're triumphant, then you get to go to Bethlehem and see Jesus. Everybody else goes to hell. You know what I mean? Like, that's the implication. Like, these are the people that can come to Jesus. Faithful, joyful, and triumphant. And i got to be real honest. I'm confessing to you right here at the very front. If you got to be faithful, joyful, and triumphant all the time, I can't go. I just can't make it. And, and I meet people all the time who, who really do want to follow Jesus with all of their heart. They want to go all in with God. But they struggle with, I'm not good enough to get to God. They struggle with, I'm, I'm not, I've I, I got all my mess, i got all my stuff, i got all my hang-ups, i got all my addictions, i got all these problems. I, if i got to be faithful to get to God, I don't know that I can. I don't feel faithful. Most of my life I feel doubtful, not faithful. Most of my life I'm fearful, not faithful. Most of my life, I'm unfaithful. And, 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 and sometimes in my life, I kind of feel like that, that man in the New Testament who comes to Jesus, his child is possessed with a devil. And Jesus wants to heal his child. And he said, Jesus, I believe, but help my unbelief. Anybody else walk that tightrope of, I, I believe, but, I'm, but I struggle with doubt. I know you can, but anybody pray this way? Uh, you, you ever pray something really big to God and then give God an out to get off the hook in case he doesn't do it? No? Nope, just me? All the time I'll pray this, God, I know you can do a miracle. God, you can do anything. God, you're all powerful. We need a miracle. So God, if it's your will, if it's not God, I don't want it. <laughs> that, that's Christian language for I don't, I'm not sure if you can. I don't know. I, I don't know. And so I struggle. If i got to be faithful to get to Bethlehem to see Jesus, I don't know if it's going to work because I don't feel faithful some days. Joyful. I don't know. That, if i got to be joyful to get to Him, I don't know if I can do that. So many people I meet think I can't get to Him because I don't have what it is He's looking for. He's looking for faithfulness and joyfulness. Man, the holidays... Most of the time, it's not joyful. It's downright stressful. Come on, everybody. Like, if you're on I-10, you're not, you're not celebrating Christmas. Come on, you're just praying for the rapture. You know what I'm saying? 
I, I honestly believe the Holy Spirit is in this place and right up there at the exit, the Holy Spirit just goes, whoop, and He's gone. And He doesn't reside on I-10 between here and the dominion. He isn't there. He does, he, he, the Holy Spirit said, I can't work with that. Y'all going to have to fix that all on your own right there. I can't do anything with that. It's awful. And we were, you go there for travel, you go there for shopping, and you think, man, I, I, just, I don't know what to do. And all these crowds, all these people. And I have the unique spiritual gift at Christmas shopping of picking the longest possible line in any line in the place. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It's a very special anointing that I have. My wife, on the other hand, has an anointing to skip lines till she finds the short one. So she sends my kids, this is true, I have a four-year-old and a seven-year-old, and she'll send my four-year-old like, you go stand in that one, you go stand in that one, I'm going to be right here. And she's hedging the whole way, like, where? Which, one, which one's moving? And she'll move over here, if this one looks like, and then she'll move back over here, and she tells my, threatens my kids, y'all don't leave. And I, on the other hand, just pick a line and stick with it, but it's always the longest possible line. Ever, I'm always behind the woman who thinks she's on an episode of extreme couponing. I'm always behind the person who big, everything in their basket needs a price check. Not one thing has a barcode on it. Not one. And I'm just standing. I just got one thing in my hand. I just, and you want me to be joyful in all of this? I'm depressed. I'm not joyful. The holidays bring all kinds of family stress. Nothing shows the dysfunctionality of your family like Christmas. Come on, everybody. Not like drunk Uncle Carl at the, at, at the party. You know what I'm saying? No, if your name's Carl, I'm not talking about you. But the, the other, anyway, like nothing, nothing just shows you like I, I wish I was adopted like Christmas and the holidays. And I'm not joyful. I'm hurt. Maybe there's stuff in my life that isn't that isn't like it should be. Maybe there's loved ones that aren't here this year that were here last year. And 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 if I got to be joyful to get to him, I don't know if I can do that. And triumphant, you got to be faithful and joyful and try. I don't even know what triumphant means. I, like most people I meet today, don't feel triumphant. They feel defeated in every area of their life, their finances, their marriage. Very few people feel triumphant in their career or in their job. They just feel defeated all the time. People don't even know what the word triumphant means. They think it's some kind of political thing. <laughs> triumphant. You'll get it. Anyway. So I listened to this song and I thought to myself, joyful and faithful and triumphant. I don't know if I can do that. I, 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 don't, I don't know if I can get to Jesus. And I meet people all the time who Jesus is calling them closer and they want to follow fully. But they don't feel good enough to get to him. Because if i got to get all this right in my life first before I get to Him, I'm never going to be able to measure up. I'm, never, I'm defeated. I'm, I feel down. I feel out. I don't know if I can do it. So what are my options? I'm not faithful. I'm not joyful. I'm not triumphant right now. And if that's my only options to get to Jesus, I don't know if I can do it. But I don't think that's your only options. As a matter of fact, I don't think you have to be any of those to get to Jesus. I think Jesus would say just the opposite of what he's looking for for people to come to him. If you're taking notes, and I hope you are, write this down. Here's, here's who Jesus called. Jesus calls weary and burdened people. Now, does that sound like anybody else that you know? Like, like now, okay, weary and burdened, count me in that category. You know what I mean? Like, I know what that's like. Like, if this is who Jesus calls, I think I, 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 think I understand that. Matthew 11 says, come to me. All you who are just as Jesus talking, there it is, weary and burdened. And I'll give you rest. This doesn't mean sleeping in on Saturday. It means rest from the, 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 the stress that you feel, from the worry, the anxiety, the stuff you're carrying. I'll carry that for you. 
He said, he, he said it, it, you can come to me. You don't have to come to me faithful or joyful or triumphant. You can come to me weary and burdened. That's, that's really who I'm looking for. As a matter of fact, let me tell you a story from Matthew, the ninth chapter, about how Jesus is looking for people just like you and just like me, not people who have it all together, not faithful, joyful, triumphant people, but people who are broken. Matthew 9 talks about Jesus in this, he's walking around the city and he is performing miracle after miracle after miracle. Honestly, it's unbelievable how many miracles are there. He's working miracles in all of these different ways and healing the sick and raising the dead. And right in the middle of this chapter, Jesus meets Matthew. Now, it's interesting because Matthew is the uh, Matthew is writing the 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 encounter that he has with Jesus sort of you know in third person so it's interesting to get his take and his perspective of it here's what it says in Matthew 9 and 9 as Jesus went on from there he saw a man named Matthew now Matthew's writing this about himself sitting at the tax collector's booth and Jesus says two words follow me and he told them and Matthew immediately he didn't question he didn't, he didn't go church shopping. Nothing wrong with church shopping. He didn't go looking. He didn't say, I don't know. He didn't say, I don't, uh, let me think about it. Let me. All the Christian people always say, let me pray about it. Pastor, I really want to get involved somewhere. I just need to pray. And some of you have been praying like two and a half years about getting involved. I just, uh, let me, let me, Matthew didn't do any of that. He just, he just got up and followed him. Now let me stop right here and tell you. Your Christianity will be so much more fulfilling if you'll just do what it is you know God's called you to do. If you'll just stop debating whether I'm supposed to, am I, I don't know what to do. Matthew just stood up and said, let's go. I don't know where we're going. I don't know what it's going to look like. I don't know what all it entails. You, you didn't give me a job description. You didn't say this is what you got to leave behind. It's just follow me, and Matthew gets up and follows him. It's not as hard as we make it out to be, everybody. Matter of fact, let me tell you this. If you try to live your faith walk, your Christianity, taking shortcuts, it's the hardest way possible to follow. I meet people all the time who think, man, I love Jesus, but I don't, I don't want to do that thing. I wonder, if I, can, I wonder if I can serve God and not have to do that thing. And, I, and you try to take a shortcut. I want, I want to be in church. I want to serve, but I don't want to serve on the dream team. So I, I'm going to do that, but I'm not going to do this. I want, I want God to bless me, but I don't want to tithe. I don't want to go, so I, ca- I can't go this way. And so I'm taking a shortcut around. I, don't, I, don't want, I, I, know, I know what I'm supposed to do, but I'm, I'm going to try to get this shortcut. And you live your Christianity taking shortcuts, and you're always frustrated at the results that you get. What if, like Matthew, you just decide, I'm going to get up from where I am, I'm going to do exactly what he's called me to do. Say amen to that, everybody. Matthew just says, I think I'll just get up and follow. It's not as hard as, if you'll follow fully, it's amazing how much easier it gets. What I love about Jesus is he calls Matthew, this tax collector, this person with all these problems, And the very next verse, like there's no time in between. There's no let's pray about it, get to know one another. Let me sort of, you know, give you my thing. You give me your thing. We'll kind of date and see what's going to go on there. He just gets up and follows him in verse 10. While Jesus went on, from there he was having dinner at Matthew's house. He just goes straight. From follow me to let's go back to your place. You know what I mean? Like let's go, let's go cook something at your house. And he's having dinner at Matthew's house the same night. And tax collectors, and underline this in your Bible, many sinners came and ate with him 
and his disciples. I love this about Jesus. He calls me, and now we're hanging. Now, now, now we got quality time together. Jesus, you want to come to my, if I'm Matthew, I can, I can see what's going on here. What are you doing after this? I don't know. You want to get something to eat? Yeah, I want to get something to eat. Well, mama's got dinner at the house. Well, I'm coming to your house. Let's go to your house. We'll hang out. Well, some of my boys come over. That's okay. I, I'd, I'd love to meet your friends. You don't understand. My friends are kind of. You know what I mean? Like you don't know my friends, Jesus. It doesn't matter. I want to hang out at your house. I want to hang out with you. I want to be close to you. And so Jesus goes to his house and these tax collectors and sinners are there. It's important to know Matthew didn't try to hide anything from Jesus. He didn't say, well, let me go home and clean up first. Anybody know that kind of deal? Let me me help you. This is not a marriage series, but let me help all you men in the room. You always say something like, let me talk to my wife really quick and make sure. That's code word for let me send her ahead so she can make the bed, clean up all the toys. Come on, everybody. Pick up your drawers and put them back in your closet and do all that stuff so that you, because you can't just invite somebody over to your house. You know what I mean? That, that's exactly right. That's a married man back there. You can, but Matthew just go, they just go straight to it. And, and it doesn't matter who it is. Because you can't hide anything from Jesus anyway. It's like Matthew knows. Listen, you can't hide nothing from your mama. She knows. But you really can't hide anything from Jesus. So why don't you just get close? Why don't you just go all in? He already knows your stuff. He already knows your struggles. He already knows your habits. He already knows what's wrong. He already knows where you fail. He already knows the problems you bring. And Matthew just says, you can come over to my house. I want to get close because, write this down, proximity is key to intimacy. Proximity is key to intimacy. Getting close, in your relationship with Jesus, nearness produces closeness. If you aren't here, there's something that you miss. There's just something about your relationship with God. Proximity, it's the key. It produces intimacy. It's a way that you know. Now, I mean, if there wasn't small ears in here, I'd get closer to this. But just all the married folks, listen to me. You can't be intimate without being close. Because proximity is key to intimacy. And in your relationship with God, you can't stand at a distance. And expect to feel God near in your hardest times. In your relationships with your kids this year, they need presence. P-R-E-S-E-N-T-S. They need presence under the tree. But what they really need is your presence around the tree. They need you there without your phone. I'm preaching to somebody. They need you present with them. They more than they, because if they're if you're close, proximity in, it, it produces intimacy. Your church family. You can't get out of a church family what you aren't willing to put into a church family. This is a relationship that you and I are in, and your church family in you. And you can't produce deep, meaningful relationships if you aren't close. This morning I was here for some of load-in. Our team, our setup team is here at 6.45 in the morning pulling trailers, setting up everything in this house. And I came in a little after them. I came in a lot after them actually at 7.30 or 7.45 or so. And they were the, the, the place was, was taking shape. And, and I watched as different teams of people were, were communicating. Our, our, the, 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 those in hospitality were setting up the coffee bar. And they were communicating and working together. And there were those in the lobby setting up signage and all of that. Signs outside. They were driving a truck and setting up all the people in, in, in this auditorium were cleaning and setting up everything on the stage and lining and they're communicating. Do you know why the people who are most fulfilled in this church are people who are on the dream team? It's because when you get close to other people, it produces relationship, intimacy. Proximity is key to intimacy. Say amen to that, everybody. 
And so Matthew says, just get close. Come to the house. Come to the house. And, 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 and Matthew's like, man, I, I got a bunch of people around. Jesus said, it's okay. But the religious people didn't like it because religious people don't like when that sort of stuff happens. And verse 11 says, the Pharisees heard about it, the religious people. They saw this and they asked Jesus' disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors, underline this in your Bible, and sinners? The, the New Living Translation, that word there is scum. Why does he eat with tax collectors and scum, sinners, people who are the lowest? That's crazy because in this chapter alone in Matthew 9, Jesus, Jesus has healed a paralyzed man. He has raised a dead girl back to life. He has cured, he has healed a very terminally sick woman. He has healed two blind men completely. And he's healed a mute who was demon possessed in one chapter. And that's the chapter that the Pharisees have a problem. Because when people find out that miracles are happening, there's always going to be haters and distractors, people who are, who, who, who are looking around, detractors who say, I don't know if that's real what's going on over there. I don't know if that's always happening. It, uh, it, listen, when God starts working miracles in your life, there are always going to be people who say, I don't know about all that. Yeah, but what about all of this? Yeah, but what about all the problems you get? Yeah, what about your past and your history and where you come from? It's always in the middle of miracles that the haters start showing up. The detractors start showing up. The religious people. If he wasn't doing anything, there's no reason to complain. When people talk about our church, it's always funny to me. Man, what are y'all doing over there? I, I, just recently, I had someone from a different state, completely unrelated to, well, they're actually in our state, completely unrelated to you and, and, and have, have no idea really. And they, and they wrote a nasty thing on, online, believe that or, or not. Most, most really, really brave people write all of their hate online. And and they wrote and they wrote about our church and how we were growing and and and, and what what was going on here and they had no idea what was really happening in this church. But if 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 lives weren't being changed here and hundreds of people hadn't been saved here and hundreds of people hadn't found their purpose here and hundreds of people hadn't been water baptized here, if none of that was happened, nobody talks about anything. You know what I'm saying? People only the, the detractors only show up when miracles show up and the Pharisees show up and said, I can't believe this is happening. On hearing this, verse 12, on hearing this, Jesus said, let me clear something up for you. It's not the healthy who need a doctor. It's sick people. In case you're wondering who I came to help, in case you're wondering who I came for, I didn't come for faithful, joyful, and triumphant. I didn't come for righteous people. I came for sinners. These people, these are my people. These are the people I came for. I didn't come for people who have it all together. And listen to me, when you come to Jesus, you don't have to have it all together because He came for you. He came for you in the middle of all your mess. He came for you because Jesus calls the weary and He calls the burden and He calls the sinners. He calls people like you and me. I love this. If I rewrote this song, if I rewrote this carol, it would be, Oh, come, all ye sinners, weary and burdened. <laughs> That's really who can come. People who don't have it all together. People who don't. Look at your neighbor. Tap him on the shoulder and say, I can get to him. 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 I don't have to have it all together. I can get where he is. I, 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 don't, I don't have to have my whole life together. I, I, he's looking for somebody like me. Somebody with problems. Somebody with hangups. Somebody with a past. Somebody that's still got doubts. Somebody who's, I'm not faithful all the time. That everything isn't right in my life. I can come to him exhausted, weary, burdened. I can come to him with all of my sin. Listen close. You can come to him. You don't have to have it all together.
But when you get to Jesus, there's this collision that happens. And everything in your life changes. So I meet people who say, I can't get to Him because of my stuff. But when you get to Him, everything changes about your stuff. That's why Paul would write in 2 Corinthians, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, and behold, the new is here. I'm saying goodbye to the old me. I have a brand new identity. He's created me brand new. Listen, you are exactly who God is looking for. Just like you are. He calls you just like you are. But Jesus never leaves you where he finds you. That was better than you, amen. He never leaves you where he finds you. He doesn't leave you in the problem that you're in. He doesn't leave you in the mess that you're in. So it's interesting to me. There are always two camps of Christians. People who feel like I'm not good enough to come to Jesus. And then people who've come to Jesus with their mess, but they want to stay in their mess after they've come to Jesus. (laughs) We go to Arkansas a few times a year to see my parents. They live in northwest Arkansas, almost to the Missouri line. And there's tons of farms in the area of northwest Arkansas where they live. And there's a pig farm on the way just close to my parents' house. My kids love to stop at this pig farm and see these gigantic big pigs, which, by the way, if you're a football fan, fan, woo woo pig suey, that's where where we're at. And so there's these big pigs in in this farm, and and every time we we pull over to the side of the road and they come up to the gate right there, but it's the nastiest thing you've ever... And my kids love the fact that these pigs love to be nasty. Anybody ever seen a pig like that? Anybody ever been like that? Like they love it. They don't just love, they, they don't, they commit to dirtiness. You know what I'm talking about? Like, I mean, they're all in it. I love it. I, this is not just something I do. I, listen, I want to talk to you at the gate, but I really want to get back to my mess. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm really kind of into this. And they roll around in the mud and my kids die laughing. They think it's the funniest thing. They love to see it. The craziest thing I see as a pastor is people who love their mess enough to stay in it. It's people who come to Jesus and say, I love this chaos enough, I think I'm going to stay in it. Have you ever met somebody that loves drama so much that if they don't have any drama for a day or two, they'll just stir something up? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Don't look straight at me. Don't look at somebody. Look right at me. They just, they just, I know people that thrive in chaos. When everything's going normal, they get scared. You know, I don't know what's going on. Nothing weird's happened recently. Let's stir something up. Let's pick a fight with somebody. Let's see if we can put something on Facebook. See if somebody can say something. Nothing is weird. I, people who just love their mess. Now listen, if you're the kind of person that says, I'm not good enough to get to Jesus, I already told you, you're, you're just right to get to Jesus. But once you get to Him, everything changes in your life. He's not going to leave you like He found you. If you like your mess, you're not going to like Jesus. Because He wants to clean you up and make you into the thing that you thought you had to be. Write this down. You don't have to be this way to get to Him. But when you get to Him, Jesus helps me become more faithful. Write that in your notes. I wasn't faithful when I got to Him. I was full of doubt. I was full of fear. I'm full of worry. I'm I'm inconsistent. But when I get to Jesus, I give Him all of that stuff, and He helps me be more faithful. Hebrews 12 and 2 says it like this. If we'll fix our eyes on Jesus, He's the author he, he, he writes it, he, he helps me get this way, and he helps me make it better. He's the perfecter of my faith. 
How? How do, how do when I come to Jesus, he's the author and perfecter of my faith? I'm glad you asked. Romans 10 answers the question just like this. It says, faith or faithfulness comes this way. You will never be faithful without hearing the word of God. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. In other words, when you get to church and you hear me preaching, even though you sit there like... Bumps on pickles and you don't a man when you know that it helps me. Even when you just come here and you don't sing the songs out loud. When you come here and you hear sermons and songs and scriptures about the word of God. It's the reason why coming to church is so important. It's the reason why getting planted in a Bible based church is so important. Because you can get faithful as you hear God's word in your life. I'm going to calm down. I'm going to be better next week. I'm going to wear a suit. I'm going to smile a lot. I, I got I to get you to Jesus so he can make you the thing you thought you had to be. You don't have to be faithful to get to him, but when you get to him, he'll make you more faithful. Our faith is built from hearing God's word. It's why church is important. It's why groups are important. It's, it's why you got to get together. In 2019, listen, here's my question. I really want to know, are you going to live another year unfaithful, worried about how inconsistent you are? Are you just going to be like Matthew and say, I'm going all in. I'm going to follow you. I don't know what it's going to look like, but I'm going to you. I'm going to be here. I'm going to increase my faith. I need that faithfulness in my life. Say amen to that, everybody. He makes you more faithful. Number two, got to hurry. Jesus makes me more joyful. He helps me become more joyful. When I come to Him, I don't have to come to Him full of joy. I know the song says, Oh, come all you faithful and joyful and triumphant. You don't have to come that way. But when you get there, He'll, he'll help you become more joyful. Galatians 5 and 22 says this, But the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy. Everybody shout joy. Come on, shout joy. It's the fruit of the Spirit. In other words, if the Holy Spirit is living in your life, it produces joy. You don't get to choose what kind of fruit it produces. The Holy Spirit living actively, having access to your life, it just produces joy. I have never seen an apple tree close its eyes and... Try to make apples. They're an apple tree. They don't have to fight. A, oh God, I'm preaching. They don't have to fight against being an orange tree. There's never been an apple tree in the history of the world who has to say, "Today I'm not going to be an orange tree. I'm going to get up. I'm going to be an apple tree. Don't be an orange tree. Don't make oranges. Don't make oranges. Don't make oranges. Make apples. Make apples. Make apples. You don't have to do that because you reproduce the fruit that you are. You are full of the Holy Spirit. You don't have to get up and say, God, don't let me lose my mind today. No, you just are joyful because I got the Holy Spirit living on the inside of me. Are you awake? Say amen. I'm going to stay and preach a third service just so somebody amens me. Maybe the loadout team. The Holy Spirit inside of you produces joy. You don't have to work up joy. You just have to be led by the Spirit because the fruit of the Spirit is joy. The fruit of a Spirit-filled life is joy. Now here's the problem. Most Christians mix up their happiness with joy because there's something different. There's a very distinct difference between happiness and joy. Happiness, write this down. Happiness depends on my happenings, but joy just depends on Jesus. 
Happiness depends on the things in my life. If I got enough money, if we got a big enough house, if I bought the, if I bought the boat, if, if we got the promotion, if we've got enough gifts under the tree, if my husband's not being the idiot I know him to be, if my kids aren't acting up, it, it depends on my happenings. If my boss is not on my case, everything around me, then I can be happy, Pastor. Happiness depends on your happenings, but joy, I don't have to work that up. My boss can be a jerk. I can, everything not can be right in my life. I can be sick down, out, broke, not have enough and still have joy because joy comes from Jesus. Shout amen to them. Joy. I'm, I'm on a mission for people. Matter of fact, we only have four values at Christian, at, at City Hills Church. We only have four, four, four values here. And, and honestly, we just have four vision statements, four values. And we're just kind of simple that way. The, the last value of our house, we love people. We love God. We love people. We pursue excellence. And the last thing is we choose joy. We choose joy with everything we got. Because the world is, listen, the world's full of enough depression. There's enough hell outside of these walls. Spirit-empowered believers ought to be full of joy. Shout amen to that everybody I'm going to preach next I'm already working on my calendar for next year my preaching calendar I'm going to preach a whole series on the book of Philippians the book of Philippians is the joy book of the Bible it has more the word joy is in the book of Philippians more than the entire Bible combined the crazy thing is Paul writes to the church in Philippi the Philippian letter from a prison not just any prison, a jail that's underneath, in, in the ancient in the Roman world, they would put prisons underneath cemeteries. So there were literally, there, there were people buried, decaying bodies on top. Of, it's the lowest of the low. And Paul writes more about joy. Paul wrote this, Philippians 2. Then make my joy, there it is, complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and in purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. For it is God who works in you and His will in you is to act according to His good purpose. And from the bottom of a dungeon and prison, Paul said, everything in your life, do it without complaining or arguing. In other words, you can have joy in the worst of your situations. Choose joy. Just choose joy. Paul says, in the middle of a prison, just, just in case you want to complain today about your stuff, to do everything without complaining or, or, or without arguing. Choose joy. Because happiness is dependent on everything else. But joy comes from Jesus. That's the Christmas message. Luke 2 and 10. Come play, Henry. Luke 2 and 10 says, The angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause, there it is, great joy. If you go to a church that's not full of great joy, find another one. I'm serious. Because this is good, the good news of the gospel is great joy. You're never going to come to City Hills and me beat you down, tell you how bad you are, how terrible things are, and you're, what a sinner you are. Listen, I'm not scared to preach about sin, but I'm scared. What I am, I'm scared to not tell you there's a way out of sin. That, that there's joy on the way out of that. That you can have your head lifted up. That if you can get, you can tap into that power that's available to you through the Holy Spirit, that it's great joy. That's the message of Christmas. You don't have to have it all together. You don't have to be, you, you don't have to be perfect to come to Him. You can be weary and burdened, sinner. You can get to Jesus just like you are. But when you get there, 
He's not going to leave you where you are. He'll make you. He'll give you that faithfulness that you want. He'll give you that joy that you need. And finally, Jesus helps us become, write this down. He helps us become more triumphant. You can live in overcoming victory. That's what the word triumphant means. It's overcoming victory. Now listen to me. Especially if you're in a battle right now. I'm I'm preaching to you. Look, look, Look at me. Triumphant living, victorious living, doesn't mean you'll never have a battle. The only way you'll know you are triumphant as a child of God is if you fight a battle and you still come out with victory. That's triumphant. People get confused. They think, well, if I gave my heart to Christ, if I'm following God, doing the best, I'll never have a battle. That's not what He promises you. He promises you that when you have a battle, you will have victory. He'll make you more triumphant. The God that we serve isn't some weak, anemic God going, I don't know, that seems like a lot down there you're dealing with. No. Isaiah said, for unto us a child is born, a son is given, and the government of the whole world, not the United States government, not our little silly political fights, no, 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 the entire government of the world, all of humanity, the government rests on His shoulders. That's the kind of God that came to be one of us. And He'll be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of the greatness of His government and peace, there will be no end and he will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom and establish it and uphold it with justice and righteousness from that time forward he is a victorious triumphant king and he came to make you victorious and triumphant stand all over the house everybody standing stay right where you are nobody moving around just two more minutes you don't have to live in defeat You can come to Him defeated. You can come to Him weary, but you don't have to live weary. He'll give you joy. You can come to Him as a sinner, but you don't have to stay that way. You can have victory over your sin. The song says, Oh, come, let us adore Him. The song calls Him the King of Angels, born the King of Angels. So in light of this, If you're here today and you think, okay, well, maybe I can come to Him now because I don't have to have it all together. I don't have to be perfect to get to Him. I don't have to be joyful and triumphant and faithful to get to Him. But when I get to Him, He'll make me joyful and faithful and triumphant. In light of all of this, Romans says, what then shall we say in response to this? My brothers and sisters, if God's for us, who can be against us? What do you think? What do you think this Christmas season? What do you think as we head into a new year, as we leave this year behind, the hurts, the pains, the hang-ups, the stuff, the tragedy, the loss, the pain, the, all, all of this, the problems of this year, as we, as we close the door and it's almost closed and the latch is almost sealed on 2018, what do you say? With God on our side, how can we lose? How can you lose?